Amen, friends. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's a blue one underneath the seat you are sitting in. And we are in uh, Matthew 28. Matthew 28 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, And so as you guys know, while you're flipping there in the Blue Bible, it's on page 926. 926 in those Blue Bibles, Matthew 28. while you guys are flipping there, right, we, we are in this series uh, called Citizens of the Gospel, right? Coming out of Easter, we are in the season of Eastertide, right? Uh, for those of you who are familiar with the church calendar, right, these 40 days uh, between Easter and Pentecost, these 40 days when, when Jesus was walking the earth after he died and rose from the dead, he's walking the earth and 500 people see him and he's meeting with his disciples and hanging out and we, we are celebrating that season, right, because Jesus lives, right? Jesus, Jesus is, we serve a risen king. Amen? Anybody, is that exciting? Like we, that's, that's what the whole season that we're in is supposed to point us to remind us, to encourage us that we serve a risen king. That's why we're here this morning is because we have a risen king. That's why we're here. Some of you are like, no, I'm here because my mom made me come here, right? My friend dragged me. Our peace. Right? The reason why most of us are here is because we have a risen king and we want to we learn about him and hear from him this morning. We want to serve him and worship him. And so coming out of Easter where we are reminded that we have a risen king, the question that his church, his bride, his people should ask is, what does that king call us to do? What does our king desire from us? And so that's what we've been looking at over the past few weeks, right, in this series, Citizens of the Gospel, right? That we are citizens of the kingdom and citizens of the king, and he has asked us to do certain things. And so we've been looking at the calls and the commissions of Jesus, and what we've seen so far is the first, the primary command of Jesus on my life and on your life is love. Love, it's the primary one. We talked about this a few weeks ago, right? To love God with everything we are and everything we have, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, is to be, just be, to be devoted to loving our God. And then the second is that we would love our neighbor, right? Those who are unlike us, those who are outside of these walls, those who we live across the street and next door and all around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, those who do not know him, even that, even to go so far to say, I mean, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you, right? I mean, we are to love our neighbor. That's the second command that we see. And then we moved into what's known as the Great Commission last Sunday, right? And the next is, so the first is love. The next is make, right? To go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, the second half of that Great Commission is where we're going to go, go, go today, all right? So first we saw the call to, the command to make, or sorry, the command to love, and then the call to make. And now we're going to look at the last piece, which is to teach, to teach. This is the second part of the Great Commission. Let me read it for us this morning in Matthew uh, 28, 18. And this is, this is not just the Word of God. This is the great commission of our King. It's what we are called to be and to do. And so in honor and reverence to you, if you're able, would you stand with me this morning as I read it for us? Matthew 18. Sorry, Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And this is our text for today. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always 
to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Teaching them to observe, to obey, to follow all that I have commanded you. All that I've commanded you, right? Remember, Jesus was a rabbi, right? He was a rabbi. And we talked about this last week. Like the, the disciples, their goal was to become just like the rabbi. They studied everything about their rabbi, right? They, they, they studied the way he slept and the way he ate and the way he taught and the way he thought. And they wanted to do emulate him in every single way. That was the goal. And so Jesus is saying, man, everything that you've learned in these three years from emulating me and doing that work to emulate me, now go pass that on. Go teach others to do the same exact thing. And for so many of us, right, at the beginning of our spiritual journey, like that moment that you first put your trust in Jesus, right, we are awakened to this desire to do just that. To become just like Jesus uh, and, to, and to tell everybody what Jesus is doing in us, right? We become a people who instantly, like the moment we give our life to Jesus the, is the moment that we like, we're like all in, right? We're like running home to like pour over the scriptures and, and, and study the things that the, that the pastor was talking about that Sunday or tell our parents and tell our family. We're running to tell our coworkers and our friends and we just want everybody to know what Jesus is doing in my life. We're proclaiming his excellencies, right? Last Sunday, we had some baptisms here at Flourishing Grace, right? Uh, at, at our 11 o'clock gathering, a young woman, Brenda, was baptized. And, and, and already this week, she's like, man, how can I volunteer? How can I serve? Where can I plug in? I just want to pass on everything that Jesus is doing in my life. It's like there's this exciting moment at the beginning of our spiritual journey. And then it kind of as time progresses, we actually grow. We are strengthened. We become a people who are strengthened in the Lord, this process of sanctification. Over time, we grow in our knowledge and understanding. We grow in our abilities, spiritually our abilities, our ability to recite Scripture, right? We, we begin to kind of know the Bible. We know how to study Scripture, we grow in our ability to pray and our ability to avoid sin. We begin to keep in step with the Spirit and we learn how to discern the Spirit and what He's doing around us and how He's kind of protecting us from being a people of sin. We resist temptation. We live healthier lives. We develop stronger marriages because of what we're learning and what we're being shaped into as we embody the lifestyle of Christ. Stronger families and stronger children, we develop, we develop a stronger faith as we grow in our faith. And somewhere along the way, most of us, as we're growing and growing in intellect and knowledge and understanding and ability, we stall in passing all of that on. That's where most of us end up. Like, we have these skills and we have these abilities, but we stop telling other people about it. We stop passing that on. As our knowledge grows, we actually give less of it away. As we actually gain more of Jesus, we give less of that away. And for me, the most influential people in my life, the people who have influenced me the most, are the people who have, who have resisted that urge are the people who, I mean, everything that Jesus does in their life, they're passing that on. Every little thing. And it's not like this big, like massive, Josh, let me tell you this super deep theological doctrine thing that I was like awakened to. No, it's not that. I mean, sometimes maybe. But normally it's just like, hey, can I tell you what, what happened in my, 
in my marriage the other day, like I was having this argument with my wife, and the, just the Spirit just let, moved and led and guided me, and I, I was kind of awakened to this, right? It's like just everyday practical things, and like they just want to pass it on. They're amazing leaders and teachers, teaching them everything, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And Jesus knows, he knows that we are going to be a people who do this. He knows that we're going to be a people who like, who like grow and grow and grow and grow and then suddenly stop to pass it on. Like he knows that's coming. Right? For some of you in the room, you're like, already, you're just like, ugh, like, dang it, like that's me. Like I'm, I'm the one who's like, I, you've been a follower of Jesus for 20, 30, 40 years, right? And somewhere along the way, you just kind of hit cruise control and just kind of, kind of checked out. Right? And you still read your Bible and you still pray and you still engage. You're still growing. You're still learning. You're still reading uh, books on, on spiritual life and living and theology and doctrine. But you're just like not passing that on to anybody. And you're just like, ah, oh, dang it, he's talking to me. It's in grace. Grace. He, here's, here's the sweet thing. And you know this, right? We talk about this every single day. It's not, it's not your merit that earns you anything. It's the blood of Christ. And so everything yesterday, it's all, it's all forgiven. And, and whatever you might have brought in here today, that's, that's been forgiven as well. And whatever you're going to do tomorrow, well, that's forgiven right now. And so you can, you can leave this place today, like, ready to, to re-engage. Jesus knows you're going to fail in this. He knows it. Right? In this season of Eastertide, um, Jesus is risen from, from the dead. And one of the kind of this, in this 40 days, one of the most kind of beautiful encounters we see happens at breakfast. Happens at breakfast. Jesus pulls his disciples aside in John 21. He says this, John 21, 15 through 19. It'll be up here on the screen. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do, do you love me more than these? Like more than these guys? Do you, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know, you know that I loved you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Do, do you love him? Flourishing grace. Do, do you lo- like anybody in the room? Anybody love Jesus? Okay. Feed his lambs. Like, do, do you really love him though? Like, anybody like really, really love him? A- anybody? Okay, a few, few of you. Tend, tend his sheep. It, it, but, but seriously, though, anybody like really, really love Jesus in the room? All right, okay, yeah, all right. Feet, feet of sheep, right? It's, it's like somebody on their deathbed, right? Jesus knows he's going away. He knows he's, he's not dying. He's going he's gonna to sin in heaven, right? But somebody on their deathbed that's like pulls you in close. He's like, do, do you love me? Do you actually love me? Here's the one thing I'm going to ask you to do. And all he's doing is restating the Great Commission, Right? To go teach them to observe everything. To feed them everything that you've been fed. To feed them everything you've been fed. This is, this is so near and dear to the heart of Jesus. 
that we would love, that we would make, and that we would teach, that we'd pass on what he is pouring into us. So the question then is, how do we do this? How do we do this? Here's what I want to do for the rest of our time. I'm just going to give you kind of three kind of practical buckets on how we can get good and do, do a better job of man, feeding the sheep, teaching others, right? And so the first thing I, I, I want to say is this. The first thing I want you to see is you've got to feed yourself, okay? You've got to feed yourself. Listen, if you are empty, you've got nothing to give. If, you, if you're on empty, there's no gas left in the tank, then what are you going to give? So first things first, man, we got to be self-feeders, self-feeders, right? You get fed, um, man, on Sunday morning here in this room, amen to that. You get fed uh, in, your, in your path group, when you, when you meet with your path group, for those of you who are in a path group, amen to that, right? We live in this time, in this space where you have access to so many things that, like, nobody has ever had access to in human history, right? So many unbelievable books on living uh, kind of a spiritual life and, and helpful books and right books and good books, right? Uh, we have access to the sermons of the greatest preachers who have ever preached in the history of the world, right? You, you can go and you can find nearly every single sermon that Spurgeon ever preached. It's on the internet. It's insane, Right? And the sermons that are being preached today by the, the greatest preachers in the world are all accessible online. Like, and listen, I, they're way better preachers than me. Like, way better. And you can, you can tap into them at any point in time. Like, we can constantly be feeding ourselves. But the primary means, all of those things are secondary means of being fed. The primary means in which you must be fed is by being in the Word every single day. This is, this is one of our core values, core identities here at Flourishing Grace, is that we are a people devoted to being in the Word of God every single day. And this is a must as a follower of Jesus. There are literally thousands of things in His Word that He reveals to us about Himself. And each one of these things are things that we can pass on as valuable things every single day. Uh, every day we can have something that is valuable, a treasure that we can pass it on and keep it all at the same time. It's like coins that you can spend, but you still get to keep them. Like it's, it's, like, it's like going to Chuck E. Cheese and having unlimited video games. It's like, a, like that's a kid's dream, like unlimited games, right? You can spend it all and keep it all every single day. Um, and Timothy, 2 Timothy 3 uh, says this, because all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for what? Teaching. It's profitable. It's valuable. It's valuable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be completely equipped for every good work, right? We must engage in the Word. Now, before we kind of just as kind of side note, now you've heard me say this before if you've been around Flourishing Christ, we don't read the Bible just to gain information, right? We read the Bible to gain intimacy. It's a gift from the hands of God that is meant to develop intimacy between us and Him, right? He wants to open the Word with us, to shape us and mold us, to reveal Himself to us so that we might fall more and more and more and more and more in love with Him. But then we take what we've learned and we, we pass it on. We share it with others. 
this past week, our staff here at Flourishing Grace, we had a, we had a little staff off-site. Um, and the first day, we went down to Thanksgiving Point, um, and we just we split up kind of in the gardens and just kind of in, in the beauty of, of the gardens. The tulips are all over the place. It's just this amazing kind of space to just be still. And we just split up, and we all read the same passage of Scripture together. And then, and then for about an hour, and then we just kind of circled back up, and we just, we just taught each other. We just sat underneath each other's teaching. And in, in tears, my staff are teaching me things in the Word that I didn't see. And in tears, I'm like teaching them things in the Word that maybe they didn't see. And, and it's just, I mean, it's a sweet moment of, man, we are being filled. We're just like pouring it out into each other. And I'm not, I'm not any less filled. Like I'm, I'm more filled because I'm pouring out, but that's not, I'm not losing that. There's pouring more into me. Right? We, get, we can pour out the word every single day into each other. But we must be in the word every single day in order to do this, in order to teach, in order to grow. We must be in the word every single day. Right? And what we have seen and what we've known and all the studies show that as, um, man, as technology around us has developed, okay, as um, the, our usage of technology, the internet, and then the smartphone, and then social media, all of these things have increased in usage. Um, and the average Christian's time in the Word has gone like this as technology goes like this. Right? That's just across the board. Right? If you're like, not me, well, you're lying. Unless, unless, you, unless you're serious. Unless, unless you've, you've gotten rid of it all. Unless you've, unless you've said, I'm not, I'm not going to have us, unless you've created serious self-discipline in these areas, th- then it's for sure true of you. And unless you say, man, I'm not just not going to own a computer. I'm not going to own a smartphone. I'm not going to do it. Um, listen, we have infinite, 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 infinite things that we can watch between Netflix and Hulu and Apple TV and uh, YouTube TV and, and on and Apple TV, uh, did I say Apple TV? I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, Amazon Prime and on and on and on and on and on and on. You can just find whatever you want whenever you want it and just consume entertainment. We have infinite scrolling of news. It's always there. There's always, an, I don't know how. It's amazing, honestly. Like, how do they find all that stuff? Like, but it's just, you can just keep scrolling. And they're just going to keep giving you more news. I don't know how. It's, just, it's infinite news. We have infinite distraction in social media. And there's infinite things that people are going to try and sell us and cultivate our hearts towards. And the more and more and more you give yourself to that, if we do not set serious kind of self-discipline, if we are not seriously self-disciplined, and set serious um, self-imposed limits on our entertainment and screen time, then we will never be a people who are in the Word every day. It will rob us. And over time, like, if when you first begin to follow Jesus, you're so excited to be in the Word, and then just a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less, and eventually you're like, well, I listen to the Bible in, in, in the car on my way to work. Like, that counts, right? Like, n- no. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying, like, that's not what I'm talking about. We must be people who are in the Word every day, feeding ourselves if we are going to actually teach. Church, do you, do you love him? You gotta feed his sheep. If you're gonna feed his sheep, you gotta eat. You gotta eat. Second thing I want you to see, and you can start today. You can start today no matter what, right? No matter where you're at, you can start 
today, I hear so many people say, uh, man, I, I'm just not ready. Like, I just don't know enough. Like, I, I'm just not there. I'm just not confident. I don't know all these deep theological things like they know or they know. I haven't read all the books that that person's read. I, I, I just don't. I'm not ready to, to teach other people. That's not true. Like, that's what Satan wants you to believe. He's really good at getting you to believe that. But that's not true. You don't need to know everything to pass on what you know. Right? You just need to know what you know. Right? You just need to know what you know. Right? I, I said earlier, Brenda, who got baptized last Sunday, last Sunday gets baptized. And this week she's like, man, I just want to pass it on. Where can I volunteer? Where can I serve? And I'm like, what about kids? She's like, I would love to serve in kids. I would love to pass on what Jesus is doing in me, what he's opening my eyes to, to, to the kids. Like this, this heart and this life that he's given me, I want to pass it on. I want them to know all that he's doing in my life. She doesn't, we don't, she doesn't know all the deep things. She hasn't been to seminary, right? She doesn't, she doesn't it's your master's in divinity. She's ready to go. She's ready to teach, ready to pour into them what he is pouring into her. I love the story of Matthew's kind of call into ministry, right? Uh, Matthew, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, uh, was a tax collector. If you know anything about first century Israel, a tax collector is not a good thing to be in first century Israel, okay? Uh, tax, collector, tax collecting was kind of the, the image, it was the picture of, of Rome's oppression of Israel, right? It was, it was a reminder, hey, we own you, just, just so we're clear. You're free to go about and do whatever you want to do, but we own you, right? And so the tax collectors of the day were, were viewed as this ugly, deplorable human beings. That's who they were. That's who Matthew was, right? And the story goes like this. In Matthew 9, he writes his own story in chapter 9 of his gospel. He says this. He says, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. Come be my Talmudim. Come be my disciple. Come join this ragtag crew. Come follow me. Not, not like, hey, you want to hang out? It's like, no, I choose you. I choose you. And he rose and he followed him. And Jesus reclined at a table in the house, in Matthew's house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclined with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he, when Jesus heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. This guy, Matthew, okay, literally knows nothing of Jesus. Knows nothing of the kingdom of God. Knows nothing. He is a reject of rejects. And I'm serious. He is that. He is. He, n- no rabbi would touch this man, right? Let, let alone Jesus, the, the king of kings. He knows nothing. And yet, he's ready to pass on what he has. He calls all of his friends and all his buddies, all these tax collectors and sinners. He's like, I don't know anything, but come, come. The guy who knows everything is in my house. 
It's like, come on, like, let's, let's go. Like, he is ready instantly from the moment he's called to pass on everything that he can possibly pass on. And Jesus says, that's why I came. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a physician for the healthy. I'm a physician for the sick, for those who need it most. That's why I'm here. And so for those of you who are like, man, I'm just not ready, Jesus is like, and that's why I want to be the nearest to you. That's why I'm going to give you the most to pass on. You have so much, so much to pass on. The guy who's known nothing still finds a way to pass it on. Our staff are constantly praying for people who would answer this call to just pass on what Jesus is putting into them, who would teach, right? Lindsay's constantly praying. Every week I hear Lindsay praying for volunteers in our kids' ministry who would just say, man, I don't have anything to offer, but I know the one who does. And whatever he pours into me this week, I'd be delighted to pour it into our kids so that we might celebrate more uh, Ethans and more Seths and that we would be sending young men and young women out of this place who are spiritually strong and have a desire to, to, move, into, to move into the university and, and to take Jesus with them to spread the gospel on their campus, and they would know who their king is, right? Constantly just praying that, that people would have that burden, have that heart. Man, Brett, who's over our adult formation ministry, right, is constantly praying for people who are like in a healthy path group that would come alongside path groups that are, I mean, struggling or in brand new path groups and just kind of pour into them and invest in them. And people who would say, man, God has changed my life through my path group. It's amazing. It's the best thing ever. And I, I value it so much. And that they, would just, that they would just take all of that, all that goodness that Jesus pointed into them and be like, oh, I would, I would share that with it. anybody. Is, would anybody be willing to pass that on? Because, I mean, Brett's praying for you. Every week I hear him praying for you. John is constantly looking for people who Jesus has poured giftings into and even people who maybe don't have giftings, John's like, I'm desperate. Right? Um, man, he's constantly praying for people who would, who would come and be a part of music and tech. People who would say, man, I, I, I just, I, I love that. I'm not good at it. But John's like, I'll teach you how to wrap a cable. Man, if you come help me set up and tear down, man, I, I would love that. He's constantly praying for those people. Josh Gardner constantly praying for people who just want to pour into students. Want, want to see more students up on the stage who just love Jesus and want to take them into the world. We're not looking for those with the most biblical knowledge and intellect, just those who want to be faithful with what Jesus is teaching them. And we want to be a people who pour out what's being poured into us. Last thing, okay, last thing this morning. And I don't have any uh, points up here on the screen for it because I couldn't think of some quippy pastoral thing to say. Here's what I realize. As we talk about this, um, commandments of Jesus, this call to go teach. Many of you in the room, when, you, when I say, I mean, we got we to feed ourselves, many of you in the room are just like, I'm starving. I've got nothing left to give. Um, and it's not because you don't read your Bible. It's because the past two years of our lives have absolutely robbed us of more than we actually know and understand. And I know we're all sick and tired of talking about it, but we're not done yet. 
as a pastor, like we are still seeing the effects of the past two years, like just being kicked repeatedly um, again and again and again. Right, there is this massive discontentedness and unrest in, in our people, in this room and in our country. Right, we're seeing ton- everybody's just like quitting their job or wanting to quit their job, wanting a career change, start something new, do something new. There's this unbelievable unrest and discontentedness. Right? Something's got to change. There's an unbelievable, overwhelming amount of anxiety and just anxiousness and an intense weariness. People who are just lost it's like, I mean, I don't know where I'm going or what I'm doing or what's next for me. I just don't, I don't know. Like, and so I'm like, all right, let's teach. And you're like, all right, yeah. Hey, babe, I, man, maybe I guess we should do that. I feel like we should. Just put one more thing on the calendar, one more thing to do. There's like, we've lost our, our zeal. We've lost our fervor. And we got to get it back. Because listen, we've got to get it back. We, we're the church. There's so many things that we long to see. We, we want, as a church, we want to lead people into flourishing relationships with Jesus. We want to see you leading your neighbors and your friends and your coworkers into flourishing relationship with Jesus. We, we want to establish a church that is a beacon of the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom in Davis County and throughout Utah and around the world. Right, that is a hub for ministry, unlike anything that, that this, this valley right here has ever seen, ever. Like, m- more than we've ever seen. We, we want to be a part of that. We want to push back the powers of darkness and welcome in the kingdom of his marvelous life. We've got to go. We've got to get our zeal back. I love how Paul puts it to Timothy when he calls him to go teach. Tells Timothy to go teach. But first he says this in 2 Timothy 2, 2, 1 and 2. It's a famous text about discipleship and teaching. But we miss the first part. Paul says this. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And then he says this. And what you have heard from me. In the presence of many witnesses, entrust, teach, pass on to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Right? He says, Timothy, whatever, all the things, he's just repeating the Great Commission. Right? I, I've learned all these things from Jesus and from the apostles, right? And I've passed them on to you. I've taught you because that's what I've been called to do. To teach them everything. That I've observed. To teach them to observe everything that Jesus commanded. I'll just pass it on to you. But now you've got to go pass it on. Entrust it to other faithful men who will be able to entrust it to others. Who will be able to teach others. Go do it. Go teach. Go teach. But before he says go teach, he says be strengthened. The first imperative is be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened. Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ. Be strengthened in what Jesus is doing. Turn your face and preach the gospel to yourself. 
be strengthened in the grace that's over you. You're cleansed. You're washed. You're, you, came, you came into this room clean. You came into this room as Satan Christ, Jesus. Because Jesus lives. The Vit. The Vit. The great reformer Martin Luther was a sickly man. Uh, horribly, horribly, horribly ill. And at his lowest moment, his friend came to visit him. And in, in, in his bedroom, Luther, he's, he's bedridden, but he, he had gotten up and at some point he had written on the wall the word Vavit. And his friend says, Luther, what, what do you mean by Vavit? And Luther says, Jesus lives. Life to live, Vavit. says, Jesus lives, and if he does not live, I do not wish to live another hour. Everything had been taken from Luther. Everything. He was frail and sick and dying, and he did not want to live anymore, but he pressed on because Jesus lives. And if he lives, my next breath will be for him. And if I live and he lives, then my next breath will be for him. And if he sustains me one more breath, that breath will be for him. And if he sustains me another breath, that breath will be for him. Because Jesus lives. And when I have nothing left to give, when all my zeal is taken, I will have zeal in this. Jesus lives. And so we sit in this season and we sit in this moment of Easter tide. And the point, the hope, the, the reality is we are to be reminded of that. That our king lives. He's put to death, death. And now he lives. We must not become passive. We must not become idle. We must not forget our first love. And I know the past two years have deeply affected us in ways that we don't even quite understand yet. And I'm not trying to downplay the past two years. I'm trying to upplay the next two. We've got to get our zeal back. We've got to turn our face towards Christ. We've got to get back after this. Because Jesus lives. And I'm not trying to tell you it's going to get better. Uh, going to get worse. And we know that. We know our economy is spiraling out of control. We know that any minute Putin has got a finger on a nuke. We, we, we know that whoever replaces Joe Biden is going to be worse than Joe Biden. Like, we know this. I ain't making any promise. I'm not, trying, I'm not trying to sell you something. But who cares? Jesus lives. So turn it off. Turn off, turn off the flow, turn off the, the, the news and the, the social media and turn off the phone, turn it off, because it doesn't matter. You can take all of that. Jesus still lives, he still reigns, he still rules, and he still called us to go and pass on what he's pouring into us, and he wants to pour into you. So church, do you love him? Like, do you really love him? Then let's go pass it on. Let's go teach others. Let's go tell our neighbors and our friends. Let's go tell our kids. Let's go tell, tell, tell our kids, our, our, the church's kids, my kids. Let's go tell each other what Jesus is doing in us. Let me pray for you guys. Jesus, come before you, and we know that you live. And so we find our delight in you. We find our rest in you. We find our strength in you. We find our joy in you. And so would you... Would you reignite those things in us? As our face has been pulled down and our, 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 our legs and our hands have been weakened, 
over the past few years, would you reignite in us? Would you strengthen us by your grace? Would you create in us an an expectancy for what you're going to do next? In my heart, in my soul, in my family, in this church, and in this world. Would you create in us a hunger to be in your word every day? Would you teach us? Would you pour into us? In all that you've given us, we pour it into others. The things that we've learned about marriage, we, we pour that into young married couples. The things that we've learned about man, just raising impassioned children for Jesus, would we pour that into the young families here at Flourishing Grace? The things we've learned about your beauty and your wonder, would we instill that in our kids? Would you help us to lift their gaze and our gaze to your beautiful excellencies? Praising your sweet name. Amen. Amen, friends. Why don't we stand? Sing to him. Sing over one another. One last song.